Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. All right, so week four in a message series on the General Slocum disaster, a series called Smoke on the Water. If you're new to our church, or you're just joining us, uh, the short version is this. About 120 years ago, there was a beautiful steamship called the General Slocum that worked on the waters of New York Harbor. And on one particular day in June of 1904, tragically, the ship caught fire. And before it was done, more than 1,000 people had died in June on the East River. We've spent the last four weeks unpacking how that happened, how that could have occurred. There are huge questions that come up and teaching points all along the way. And this is one of those rare places where history illustrates biblical truth where we see scriptural truth just walked, walked out in front of us in an amazing but tragic story. So how could this have occurred? We've talked about how the, the fire hoses failed. The fire hoses, when they came under pressure, just burst. We talked about the life jackets, the life preservers. Life preservers in 1904 were filled with cork. Cork was the buoyant material in life preservers, but after... 13 years of exposure to the elements and no replacement and no maintenance, these life preservers were useless. The cork had turned to cork dust. Further, the nonpareil cork works, the company that made these life jackets, had laced the life jackets with rebar and scrap metal to bring them up to, bring them up to weight. The lifeboats on deck were painted to the surface of the ship. They were immobile and useless. It was a perfect storm of tragedy that came to bear down upon this ship on this particular day. Now, some of us have asked the question, fine, 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 fine. Still, how could this have happened? Didn't they have fire drills? Didn't they have safety inspections? Surely somebody along the way must have known, must have observed that this was, you know, not ideal, that this was something dangerous. Surely somebody picked up on this. Well, the answer is no and yes. No to the fire drills. Fire drills were just not a thing back then. Uh, common practice, very few vessels, if any, ever practiced a fire drill uh, in, in their day-to-day -day life. But safety inspections we had. Safety inspections were a thing. Absolutely. In point of fact, the General Slocum was inspected just five weeks before this event. Five weeks before this event, two safety inspectors boarded the Slocum. One headed downstairs to inspect the boiler and the mechanics of the ship, and the other, a man named Henry Lundberg, was left to inspect the rest of it. Lundberg walked around the rest of the ship, and there, were, there was paperwork on this. We have paperwork. There, there was an inquest. There was a trial. This was a big, big media blitz, and, and they were all looking for someone to blame. Somebody had to be on the hook for all this loss of life. So we have, we have paperwork on this, and, 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 and the inspector wrote, yeah, all fire safety equipment in good working condition. Fire hoses, check. Uh, life jackets, check. He probably inspected one or two life jackets. He was probably shown uh, some of the better looking specimens. Uh, life jackets look good. Uh, with, with regard to the lifeboats, he actually wrote on the report, lifeboats were all hoisted into the air and, and prepared to deploy. This was all written out. So how could this have occurred? How could this be? Well, there are two reasons. A big reason and a little reason. Big reason and a little reason. The little reason for how this occurred probably involved the 5 or $10 bribe 
that the inspector put into his pocket. That's the little reason. Small bribe. Now, we don't know for a fact that it happened. It most likely, ha it, most likely there was a bribe. Probably there was a bribe. There was a bribe. So, <laughs> that's what occurred. The big reason is the system in which this all took place. Tammany Hall era New York was incredibly corrupt. The world is still pretty corrupt. I've heard, I haven't experienced, experienced it personally, but I've talked to enough people to know, like, hey, there's, sometimes you need to get things done. A little money on the side helps. I understand, I'm not naive. I know this is how the world works. You know this is how the world works. The world worked a lot more like that in 1904. And it, it was expected. So it wasn't necessarily that Inspector Lundberg walked on the ship and said, mm-hmm, let's go. It, and it isn't necessarily that, the, that the, uh, the mate or whoever was in charge, the first mate or whoever was in charge of, of showing him around, it wasn't necessarily that he said, hey, we need you to ignore all the, the, the blatant safety violations and here's 10 bucks. It was that the whole system just operated like that. In point of fact, the inspector probably was expecting a bribe, not because he was corrupt, but because he had somebody he had to kick up to. Because, because that was the way the system worked. And it, and it was a system where if you didn't play ball, if you decided, you know, it's easy 120 years later to take out our magnifying lens and pass judgment and say, well, if they had had integrity, this wouldn't have been. Here's the deal. If you stood up in that moment, it wasn't necessarily that you would just ask not to come to work that day. You could lose your job or just straight up vanish. You could end up as a body in the East River, period. That's how it was. In the 1980s, when uh, the Colombian drug lords were, were, were pushing, you know, insane amounts of cocaine into the United States during the cocaine years in, in, in the 80s, they had a phrase that they would use anytime they needed the help of a civilian. If they needed a customs official to look the other way, if they needed a truck driver to not ask what was in the back of the truck on that particular day, there's a little phrase they used. They'd say, Senor, you have a choice. Plata o plomo. Plata o plomo, silver or lead? This is your choice. Plata o plomo. Silver means you cooperate and we make you rich. Plomo means you don't cooperate and we make you dead. That's your choice. And when you're in that choice, when, when, you're, when you're in that situation, you, you have to make that choice. And the gun is figuratively and perhaps literally to your head, there's not really a choice to make. It's just the system in which you operate. Everybody with me? Yeah. Just checking. It's quiet out there. All right, so. The system still exists. How do we operate within that system? How do you? How do we, how do we become a people? Well, got, wow, it's nice. Okay, so. How do we become a people... Just warning you, that may kick back on again, that air handler. Sometimes it's noisy, so if it does, just try it. Okay, so how do we operate within that system? How do you and I stay focused and stay on point and live the lives God's calling us to live, to be men and women of integrity? What we're called to do, if, you, if, you, if you've hung out at our church a bit, you've heard me talking about outward-bound living, right? Uh, you've heard me talking about being 
being outward bound. Honoring God, loving others, serve all. That's not an easy thing to pull off when you're embedded within a system that's incredibly focused on money. And that was the deal. Nobody, nobody at the Knickerbocker Steamship Company was thinking, we are going to neglect safety to, to an extent that we, we're going to see loss of life. We're going to kill people by, by neglecting safe, safety. They were just more focused on money than they were on anything else. Nobody at the Nonpareil Cork Works was thinking, we're going we're gonna to kill people with this. We're going we're gonna to absolutely send people to a watery grave with our life jackets. They were just thinking, no one's ever going to need these stupid things, and we're going to make some extra money on the side. Let's go. Because money was the focus. Because money was the thing they were most focused on. And the truth is, most people are still living their life that way. Yes? Most people are still living their life that way. Money may... may sorry? Oh, okay, cool. Just, all right. Money is a religion. I'm not kidding. Money is a religion. And you could make an argument that it's, it's the world's biggest religion. It's what people focus on. It's what they worship. It's what they perseverate on during the week. And if I may be so bold, ponder this. How much time during the week do you spend thinking about God and your faith and how you serve the world around you versus how much time do you spend during the week thinking about your retirement account and your bank account and your bills? Money can become another God even for us who, who may be pr profess to be believers. So we're called into focusing on something. We're called into living a certain way. We want to live outward bound. We want to honor God, love others, and serve all. That's us breaking down what some people refer to as the great commandment. At one point in scripture, a guy walks up to Jesus and says, Jesus, could you just sum it up for me? Like, what's this all about? What, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Wrap it all up for me. And Jesus gives him an, actually a tight little package. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Some refer to that as the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. This sums up the law and the prophets, he said. So we break that down in three simple ways. Honor God, love others, serve all. That's how we're called to live, yes? That's how, that's good, okay, nice work. That's how we're called to live. Now, I'm gonna get up in your face for a minute, okay? I'm gonna be your pastor for a minute, gonna get right up in your mug. Sorry, but not sorry, kinda. Okay, so here's the deal. Some of us hear that message week after week and make no effort whatsoever to live any differently as a result of it Monday through Saturday. There it is. Some of you guys, I love you. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not thinking of anyone in particular. I just know in a room, these, a room this size, some of you come here week after week. You hear me say this stuff. You hear me talk about it. And you like it. You're good. You're, you're, like, you're, you're out there going, yeah. Yeah. That's good. Amen. And, 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 and you pass me on the way out and you give me a high five and you say, good sermon, Pastor. That was just great. And you don't live any differently as a result of having heard it. Sorry, but there it is. So I want you to, I'm going to get up in your face a little bit today. I want to be your pastor. I want you to ponder how you might live differently as a result of having heard these words. I want you to think about how you might live differently as, as a result of having been exposed to this truth that you are called to live outward bound, to honor God and love others and serve all, embedded within a system that pulls you relentlessly towards self-preservation and self-gain. Not an easy thing. 
And Jesus tells us, if you do, if you do decide you want to live an outward bound life, if you are one of the few who've said, you know what, yeah, that's good, that's a good word, I believe that, I think that's true, I want to live that way, if you're one of the people that actually makes an effort Monday through Saturday to live that way, you're going to find there's one thing in particular that stands in your way. One thing in particular likely to trip you up. One thing in particular most likely to pull you off course. Jesus identifies it. He's very clear. It's the love of money. It's what he says. He just breaks it right down in Scripture. This is the Gospel of Matthew. Chapter 6. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. So if you're aiming at something, if you've decided, I want to shoot at this. Imagine you have a bow and arrow. You have a bow and an arrow, and you're trying to aim. There's a bullseye downrange, and you want to aim at the bullseye. There is one thing in particular that's going to cause that arrow to go off course. Our tendency to love money more than anything else is going to cause that. Did, did you guys know the biblical word for sin means, in literal translation, it means to miss the mark. It presupposes intention. The word presupposes that you're shooting at something. It presupposes that you actually want to live your life a certain way. And if you're here today and you want to live your life, like if it is actually your stated and purposeful intention to say, dude, I'm in this for me. I'm a capitalist and I'm trying to get mo. I'm trying to get paid, period. I, I get it. I understand. I'm just a squirrel trying to get a nut like everybody else. That's what I'm after. That's, I, I get it, and I respect it. I understand it. And I respect it because at least you're living on purpose. I think you settled. I think you're, 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 living, you're pursuing an inferior goal. I think even if you hit that goal, it isn't going to make you fully satisfied. But I respect the decision you made to live your life that way. The truth is, though, most of us don't want to live our lives that way. We just end up living that way by accident because we're not kind of shooting at anything. So, so it's time for you and, and me to start thinking about what we want to live our lives for and what we want to be about. As you aim at this thing, you are likely to be taken off course as you aim at an outward-bound life, a life that honors God and loves others, and serves all. As you aim to live out a life where you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, there is one thing that is likely to trip you up, and that is the love of money. And even a one-degree compromise on this can take you off. You understand, right? Like this concept, all you do is click off one degree, and it seems like a small thing, but over time, that one-degree compromise takes you miles off course. Those decisions can have deadly consequences. And this, this takes us to the tragic tale of Michael McGran. Michael McGran was the ship's treasurer. He was responsible for the day's receipts. 
on the hook personally to protect the day's receipts, all the money that came in from all these people. Now, we talked about how graft and theft was rampant at this era in time, and, and it would be a very common ploy and a very common thing for a thief or a group of thieves to create a distraction uh, in order to, to rob an establishment. So the idea of, uh, hey, we're going we're gonna to start a small fire or we're going to yell fire even when there is none or start a small one. Uh, we're going to create a distraction. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna say there's a man overboard or we're, somebody's actually going to jump overboard. Uh, we're going to create a distraction so that it's easier to rob the place. That's, that's, that's what Michael McGran first thought. That was the first thing that came to his head. He hears fire and he's like, mm, don't know about fire, but nobody's robbing me because I'm on the hook for this. He takes the money box for the Knickerbocker Steamship Company, runs to the top of the deck, realizes that the ship actually is on fire, jumps overboard holding the money box, sinks like a stone and is never seen again. And if you don't think history illustrates biblical truth, ponder this. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 28. Trust in your money, and down you go. But the godly flourish like leaves in the spring. Trust in your money and down you go. It's not worth building your life on. So, so how do we get around this? How do we get over this hurdle? How do we, how do we figure this out? A very simple answer that God provides for us in Scripture. We tithe. We honor God first in our finances. 10% of what comes in goes back out as an offering to God. That's how God lays it out. Now, if you're new, let me talk to you for a minute. Because you don't know me, right? And, and I, 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 I put myself in your shoes. Every sermon, every sermon I preach, I think of how it's landing on your ears. I'm always giving thought to that. And you don't know me. You're new. Maybe, maybe I got here in a helicopter. Maybe my helicopter's on the roof. Maybe it is. Maybe I choppered in from my penthouse in Manhattan. Maybe I flew in from my, my mansion in the, in the Hamptons. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm one of those guys. Maybe I'm one of those dudes who just is, you know, the preachers you've heard about, who's you know, always after your money. I get it. If that's you, you suspect me. I understand that. I totally understand that. If that's you, here's your homework. You go give the money away someplace else. You go find a, a charity or a, or a cause that you do believe in. But don't let your suspicion of me or of organized religion stop you from living an outward-bound life and experiencing the blessings that come with it. Don't, don't, don't let yourself be trapped in that. You could, some of you have been, you're, some of you are on the working end of generations of financial dysfunction. Some of you are paying a terrible price for, for decisions that were made way upstream from you in your family tree. You could make decisions now that, that, that change things for the rest of eternity for your family. This stuff matters. What we do, Maximus was right, what we do in life echoes in eternity. It also echoes in the here and now. You heard us talking last week about Love 146, yeah? This organization that's working to stop human trafficking of small children. And we talked about how your generosity is funding a safe home in the Philippines for young girls who have been rescued out of human trafficking. And, and you wouldn't normally think that, that, like, that dollars you give here, that, 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 that your generosity here would be a thing that would affect a kid 
on the other side of the world, but it does. What you do has real-world consequences right down the line. How you live now matters. I have been stunned to observe how this historical event is still affecting lives today. Even as it's something, you know, many of you have come up to me and kind of gone, you know, how come we've never heard of this? How come nobody ever talks about this? This is one of these obscure things. Yeah, it is. But because it happened in the New York area, it's still affecting lives in the here and now. In week one, I told you about the captain of the ship. William Van Shake was the captain of the General Slocum. He was at the wheel that day. Last week, I got an email from William Van Shake IV, who watches our services online every week. He's part of the people that I greet in the camera every week. Lives on Long Island, has been a part of our church for years, emailed me and says, that's the story of my family that you're telling. This has been with our family, so, so we're, we're talking. You want to know what he said to me? then you should come back next week, because that's what we're going to talk about. Got him! I love doing that to you. I so do. Because um, that's what we're talking about next week. But that's, that's not the only instance. Joan Heiser attends our church. Her great-grandfather was orphaned in the General Slocum disaster. He was nine years old. And he worked. He, he could draw. He was a, a, even as a young boy, he was an artist, and he could sell pictures on the street for a couple of pennies. And his family needed the money, and he was not allowed to go on the day's outing. And his father wasn't in the picture. His mother and two sisters were killed that day, and he was left on his own. His, his neighbors couldn't take him in. Every family was struggling with disaster. They sold the family's furniture, sold the possessions, gave the kid the money and said, you're on your own. And he found a nickel and night flop house where he could sleep and get some food and worked and found a way to build a life. Not only didn't become a criminal, but like built a life and lived a life of integrity and had a family that now attends our church. Amanda our worship leader, the young lady who stands right here, her great-grandmother had a ticket to be on the General Slocum. But she misbehaved. And her parents punished her and wouldn't let her go. A good parenting decision 120 years ago means Amanda is here today. If her great-grandmother had boarded that ship, she wouldn't exist. Get your head around that for a minute. The decisions you're making now are triggering things generations down the line. How you live your life matters. Yes, you are embedded in a corrupt system. Yes, we're swimming. We're swimming in it. And it's hard not to drown in, in selfishness and in materialism. We're embedded in all this. How do you tread water? How do you keep your head above water? How do you focus, live an outward bound life, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself? You build generosity into your life and you honor God with your finances. And I challenge you to live differently on this. To not just hear this, not just nod, but actually leave this place and live differently. Decide how you want to alter this in your life. Decide how you want to, how you want to move forward with intention. 
aim at something. Don't live your life by accident. Because if we do aim at something, if we do live with intention, make it the, the, the bullseye on the target that we're shooting at, to honor God and love others and serve all, you are going to find yourself embedded in an incredible story, in an amazing, amazing adventure that God has for you. It's the story that God is telling and you get to play a part in it. You could miss the opportunity to play that part if you're focused on the wrong thing. This is my prayer for my own life. This is my prayer for everybody that comes to our church and this is my prayer for all the people of Long Island. I'm gonna say the rest of the world but I don't care about the rest of the world. I just care about Long Island. That's what I'm after. I'm just, Long Island is where I'm, so that's my deal, okay? And that's the story. And with that, we got one more week in this series. We're gonna wrap it up next week. With that, let's pray. Father, we love you. We're so grateful, so grateful that we get to hear your word together. We get to read and we get to see where, where history shines a light upon it. Father, we're all embedded in this system. We're all, it, it has its hooks into us. It's the water we swim in. We're trying, we're trying to keep our heads above water. We're trying not to drown. Help us find the buoyancy that comes from living generously, honoring you, doing what you've called us to do. Cause us to be people that live differently as a result of having heard this message. Convict each of us, Father, about the part you've given us to play in your amazing story. And may we be a people, even though we exist in a corrupt world and in a messed up system, may we be people who shine like beacons because we operate differently and think differently and look to honor you first. May that be true in my life. May that be true in all of our lives. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give, or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word True North to 77977 on your cell phone and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.